Hello, and welcome to To Watch Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Sarah. And I'm a Doctor Who fan. And I'm new to watching Who. Yeah, watching for the very first time. Very first time. And uh, you are joining us here on Zeta Minor in the jungle. It's quite humid. Yes. Quite a hot day. It really is. We're standing around a big, like, black pool of just nothing, uh, just trying to get a bit of air. For, like, listeners at home that want to know our circumstances, it's that Friday that's the hottest day of the year so far. So it really is hot. It is warm today. Yeah, but we're on Zeta Minor. That also means that we're warm. But just saying, when we talk about being warm, the struggle is real. Uh, I put sun cream on the other day, though, so I'm not burnt for the first time. Oh, well done. Yeah, I actually listened to your advice. <laughs> <laughs> Almost as if there was a product that was designed and made to stop you getting burnt. Maybe, yeah, called sun cream. So I use um, Jason sun cream, like family sun cream, which I use every day. I think it's the best sun cream like for day-to-day use I've ever had. I use it on my arms. It's like, I think a 30, or maybe it's a 45 actually. I think it's it's a family one. I think it's quite high because I use it on my face mainly. But I use it on my arms and I'm tanned. Like I'm not burnt, but I've tanned. My arms are tanned. Yeah, maybe Professor Sorensen could have gone into sun cream instead of mining. Anyway. Um. <laughs> Why? Well, sorry, just on that, what I find interesting, it's so far in the future, but we're still mining. Well, we might be, you know, mining the moon sometime soon or something. I don't know. Maybe. It just amazes me that we're like, they as people were still mining and they believed that that would still be the case 30,000 years in the future. Anyway, uh, other updates. I don't know if you've seen, I don't know, maybe you have been on a Doctor Who Twitter recently, but I wanted to discuss something with you. To get your get your thoughts. Oh, I don't know what this is. Go on. Well, so they've been filming Doctor Who the sixtieth. Uh, oh yes, or, or okay. Special or whatever in Bristol, and you've seen David Tennant out there again and everything. And I don't know if you saw the BBC announced Neil Patrick Harris. I did see that? Yes. Did you see the photo of him? Yeah, he looks epic. So this is what happens on Doctor Who. Twitter, Doctor Who fandom, everyone, and I'm guilty of this, so I'm not like having to go anywhere. But everyone's like, whenever there's like uh, someone announced, they're like, oh, it's this person, it's this person, the master's back, the whoever's back, this person's back, Davros is back, whatever. So that Neil Patrick Harris photo came up, and because he looks a bit like Geppetto, everyone's like, it's the celestial toy maker, he's back. <laughs> everyone. <laughs> and I was like, okay, everyone says that. You, you remember the toy maker, right? Yeah, 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 I And do. I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. And I was just thinking, everyone says that, okay, maybe he's like some toy maker. And then they were filming out in Bristol and there's like a toy, they've made a toy shop, like an emporium as part of the set. So that, okay, and everyone's going mad, like it's the toy maker's back. Everyone sort of always jumps to those conclusions. Um, and I'm, I'm always a bit like, okay, maybe they're just writing another style character. It doesn't mean it's the celestial toy maker. But... On some of those filming pictures, there's these big sort of like clown sort of silhouette things up there. And it's exactly the same picture as one of those clowns from that first Doctor story. So do you know what? I think it actually is the Celestial Toymaker bag. Would that be a massive deal? Because I didn't think that story was as like big as 
well, the no. 60th to be like, we're now going to bring back this character from 60 years ago that not a lot of people will know. It, well, he could be reinventing it and everyone's going to go toy maker mad. That's what I wanted to say to you. I was like, we really did not like that story. And imagine if now it's going to be like... But actually, my other theory... Okay, this is this is me just joining loads of dots up, right? So, back at the 50th, they announced they'd found the web of fear and enemy of the world, right? The Yeti and the underground one. That had all, obviously been found a little bit before and it was all kept quiet and they wanted to launch it for the 50th. And Stephen Moffat, who was running Doctor Who then... He had known about it, and actually the Great Intelligence does come back in a Christmas special around that time, uh, and it's a bit of a theme. And he put that in there because he'd known that that had been found and was you know, coming back. So there's also rumours that a William Hartnell story had been found. So what if, okay, Russell T. Davis knows about that and is putting yeah. a toy maker in it's happened before as a thing. And then suddenly the toy maker is going to be announced back, you know, as returned uh, for the 60th and they might be holding off. Who knows? That is my personal theory. It's yeah, adding, that's interesting. It's adding lots of dots up, but everybody in a, in a year's time or whatever, come back to this episode <laughs> and we'll see. We will see if I was right. We will see if I was right. Maybe it is the toy maker and the celestial toy maker has been found or... Probably the more realistic option is he's playing someone completely different that just happens to be a bit like a toy maker. Let's just hold on for the toy maker resurgence, everyone. I've not been on Doctor Who Twitter for a bit, so mainly because there's so much happening and being announced, I'm really worried about any spoilers, even though it's way in the future. But I'm not allowed to know about things because Mark gets upset, so I have to be really careful on what I I know, I just thought it was just unusual, so I just wanted to share toy makers. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I appreciate that. Cause, but I had seen that he was back because I'd seen, like, that got shared a lot and people sent it me and stuff. That was exciting. But I hadn't seen all that, so that's interesting. Should we go into today's episode, then? <laughs> yeah, I think we should probably start it before, like, we talk any more random shit. We should start, we should start. Now, Planet of Evil. So we are, like, peak Tom Baker season at the moment everyone knows who he is his previous season has gone out so i think terror of the zygons last week was filmed at the end of the last lot so this is like they've had a break they're back new season because harry's gone now yeah that makes sense like a lot of doctor who stories in terms of fan i know i'm talking for all the fans right now but (laughs) there's always like and we know where that leads mark (laughs) well certain stories like just have this um sort of shorthand i suppose and planet of evil is always like atmosphere and the jungle is amazing like the best jungle in doctor who that is what comes up i read about this after I read that apparently the BBC was super impressed with the guy that made the jungle, but then it like, and it's just as well because it cost them like thousands to take down and destroyed set because it was like almost unable to come down. Like he built such an incredible set. Well, you've got it in the studio, but you've also got it on film and that's where it looks amazing because they went to like, I think Ealing Film Studios to do all that because they've got the water on the floor and everything. So whenever there's like water or something like that, they go on film uh, out of the studio for a bit. And the, But it, even in the studio, it looks amazing because we've had a lot of jungles. We've had a lot of jungles. I, you know, I agree that this is, 
because they've gone they haven't gone for your green jungle like in planet of the daleks they've gone for these sort of alien colors it feels like a whole planet so what i want to know is were you impressed by the jungle i was yeah like it felt like a proper jungle okay great (laughs) there we go (laughs) it was an interesting one because there was quite a lot i liked about it and some bits that were a bit like "Mm," but i enjoyed this more than last week's yeah, I'm still in a bit of shock that you didn't like Terror of the Zygons. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, okay, I'll start like going... The monsters element... I, I think because it's very like Jekyll and Hyde, the sort of the scientist that drinks the potion or whatever and like goes between these two things but doesn't know who he is sort of thing, but then does know that sort of idea. And I like that because considering it's such like a classic concept, we've not had that really before, have we? No, it's something different. Um, and uh, But a couple of returning things. So we haven't seen the inside of the TARDIS for ages. This is... No. Like, the, the first time with this Doctor's been in the it TARDIS. It was really bare. I, like, it was so bare. I couldn't believe how empty it felt. I think it was. It's a bit of a more spacious set, because I think last time it was like... See, I thought it felt quite big, because it's a lot lighter than I remembered. Like, it used to be very grey, and it felt more light almost white yeah yeah so um it's nice to see that to see the doctor actually in the tardis for once um and also there's a couple of just going into the side characters a couple of actors that we've seen before so i don't know if you recognize so the younger guy who was in charge at the beginning oh i'm the commander yeah he was a dick yeah go on who's he he was dick thal in planet of the daleks Excellent. So this is the guy that I met at that convention. I said, oh, you always play those characters. And he does. He's exactly the same. Yeah, oh my gosh. I He was so annoying in this. But then he said, oh, in this one, I'm the good guy. I'm all right. He, that's what he told me. Was he thinking the same story? He, like, shoots one of his own men and runs off. Like, what planet is he on that he thought he was quite good in this? <laughs> I know, I know. But the good guy is what I'm trying to say. He was good. Because you need to hate him. Like, he's good because you're like, ugh. There is always a dick and it's always Prentice Hancock that plays him, apparently. So Someone's got it in for him at the BBC and cast him. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you'd recognise him or not. Also, we've got the Professor. Right. Um, I don't actually know. You're not going to remember this. I, I didn't really. I had to look this up. Do you remember the Savages, the one where Stephen left? Oh yeah. And you know, it, there was that guy, and he sort of swapped the minds with the Doctor, and that he took on the Doctor's mannerisms yeah. and stuff. That's him. That's the ah, Professor in this like, one. Would never have guessed that. Would never have seen that. About I've seen you before, but yeah, I remember that. I remember all that because that was a really good story. Mm, yeah, so that's him. And the um, older guy on board as well. That's Love sort of him. Like the good guy. He's great. He's also in The Savages. He's the guy in The Savages that's all made up old. You know, I don't know if you remember that. Now, hang Someone on. I'm confused because is... I think I'm on about this. I've got the same person in my head, but I don't. Right, okay. Was so he was a, a savage? Guy, he, he, was, he was a savage. Oh, right, yeah, sorry, he had I'm all the big the beard and stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, I remember him now. I remember him. Oh. Yeah, so he was a savage made up. So there's two returnees for the savages in this Golly. as well. So 
there you go. There's your facts. That's a lot of facts. It's a lot of facts. <laughs> so, yeah, so we start off with part one. They answer a distress signal. So that's, Even though uh, they're 30,000 years off. Yeah, even though. Um, clothes watch. What do you think of Sarah's outfit? Love it. I, I was waiting for this. I loved it. Oh, my gosh. I loved it the whole time. I wish I had it. I knew you would. I knew it. It was great. Did you see her shoes? They were. I thought that was a bit odd because they stopped at sort of just before the ankle, the trousers, and then she had to sort of like wedge shoes on. Oh, did she? I didn't notice that. I was all about the top half. I was all about the top corset denim thing that, that somehow someone at the BBC was like, yeah, this will be fine for a kid's show. And then her denim trousers. I was like all over that. Yeah, she has some great outfits in this. And it's sort of blue, fitting with all the space people. The only problem, the clothes watch issue I have here is this, all the space people. I don't think they suit that dippy... So it's quite a low dip. I rem- So when I saw it to begin with, I looked at it and I thought, I bet they didn't realise. Like, they might have seen sketches, maybe. And then they get them and they're like, that's a bit lower than I thought. Because it's just, I'd say maybe like an inch too low. It doesn't really suit them, does it? No one's really got the physique to fit in them, have they? Yeah. So apparently, just from my reading, the set, so just come back to the forest segment, they wanted to make it different because they wanted to compete with Star Trek. Right. Like, because they knew that was popular with the kids. And they also had weird location jungle things. And I wonder whether those costumes were supposed to be a compete with Star Trek. I haven't done it. Well, it didn't work. That dippy bit, no. If you think of like William Shatner in that sort of outfit at that time, was he in the 60s one? I feel like he was. Yeah, he was. He yeah. was. So like, you know, a young William Shatner in that, it'd be a completely different outfit. So I feel like they've sort of taken some influence from that in the, because they feel quite Star Trekky actually. When I sort of read about the Star Trek thing, and now we're talking about costumes, did you feel quite Star Trekky? That uniform element. The, the, all the uniform, yeah. It's just, uh, they just needed a, a bit of a, that just needed to be covered up. And actually, talking about the set of that spaceship, I don't like that glass table. There's like a balcony with a glass table. That is not, <laughs> and there's nothing, you could have your pens and your paper up there driving the spaceship. It'd just fall over the balcony onto someone's head. And a glass table when you're going around in space, that is just, someone's going to go through that. <laughs> I was just like, that is so not... in my head, again, that was like a touch glass thing. So it's supposed to be all future. Oh, uh, no, well, well, they could... Actually, they, they shot through. The camera was up through it. I don't know if that was the idea, that you could do that and it was on the level. It's quite... Un- we don't really have stuff on two levels No, no, much. We've they are trying. something like two levelly. The last famous two level one I can think of is the William Hartnell's, his last one. Terms planet. I cannot. How are you remembering this? Are you like reading like technical manuals or something? No, I'm What's all over it. On? Unfortunately, <laughs> I am all over it. <laughs> well, this director is is great. He did the Mind Robber. He did Genesis of the Daleks last season. He's done a lot of good ones. So it's uh, yeah, it's really well shot and designed. I it, think it's a really strong like team you can tell oh and also um i can't remember i think he dies halfway through but there is uh there's another younger guy who's on the ship who has a a bit of a maybe he's in the first couple of episodes and he played davros it's him again he's he's one of the spaceship people yeah get him in everywhere don't they 
Yeah, so he yeah, he's in like every story. He all pops up as something else. It was so they're investigating, they're going through the jungle, and it's all very atmospheric. Do you think Sarah's character, just going to to that, she's quite well, she's very settled in now. Yeah. Because she's, you know, in her third season. Do you think it was out of character that where the doctor sort of sent her off to go and get this spanner thing from the TARDIS? And off she goes. She's very confident in this, do you think? Yeah, but again, it's been three seasons. She's been doing this a while. I'm glad we're not still at the stage of, like, talking it out, talking it through, all that. Like, it kind of reminds me a little bit with um, Ian and Barbara. And towards the end, they were just getting on with it. I suppose so, yeah. But when they get captured in part one, the Doctor's, you know, they're in that cell and Sarah's like, well, come on then, let's get through the window, let's go. She's the one that's like, let's get on with it, come on. I quite like that, though, because we've not had, like, she's been doing these for, like you say, three seasons now. She's been through a lot. And it fits her character. She's a journalist. So, like, you know, she would be inquiring a a bit more looking out for these sorts of things. Hopefully she got that Zygon thing typed up from last time and put in the post before she ended up on this planet. (laughs) She did say to him that it was about half an hour like then he still hadn't landed. So I presume in that time she was having a type. She's doing that ready. But no, I just thought, yeah, she's really settled. And it's interesting now there's no Harry that we've got the two of them now. I think that's made the difference in this. Yeah, I agree. I think that like she takes on what Harry would have been doing as well. So I think she, I think this is a really good one for her. And I think Elizabeth Sladen said who plays Sarah said this is her favourite story. This is her favourite story to do. And imagine acting that as well. You're not in the studio all the time. You've got this huge actual jungle in front of you to act in with water and you're going through and everything. That must be so much better for the actors to do that. There was a lot of actually, I'm just really jumping around here, but there were some really nice moments. that I re- Like the very, very, very end when the TARDIS was flying off and it was spinning. And that's the first time I've seen that. Joe, you know I made a note. I think I don't think we've seen it spin like that before. We've seen it move, but we've never seen it spinning like that. And actually, if I think of modern, that's how it always appears in things spinning. So I think it's the first appearance of it spinning in space. Um, let's say that people will tell us if it's not. I mean, we've had it on like a lolly stick, haven't we? Going through, yeah, we've, we've had, had it, it moving <laughs> statically, but we've never had it doing that. And I was like, oh, that, that's so iconic. That it, I really picked up on it because I'm like, that's so iconic. And there was another, there was a few, I can't remember the other one, it might come up when we're talking, but there's another thing and I was like, that's really clever and cool. When we get to the end of part one, we see the monster, the sort of antimatter thing. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really cool how it was done. I kind of like, you know, the whole green screen thing. As a monster, it doesn't feel that threatening. Because you can't see most of it. I guess that is sort of the threat. But equally, I thought it was really cool how it was done. Because, you know, you didn't like the Zygons. Someone in a in a suit um, isn't always particularly great. But I just thought, okay, there's this cool visual effect. And, it, and we've not seen anything like that before. Because it's sort of this see-through thing. They're still trying new stuff. And you don't really know what it is as well. It's not like it talks or anything. I like that it doesn't talk. Even now, we've what I finished it. I still don't really know what it is. No, well, it's sort of like the something in a. 
okay, well, okay, let's get to the big concept here. So the idea is, <laughs> oh God, they're mining this planet, they're taking this stuff. All the all the professor's been down there, and people have been dying, haven't they? Because he's been he's on the he's and he's really really obsessed with taking this stuff, uh, which I think looks the antimatter crystally stuff, which looks like resin to me. You know. Oh, is it called resin? You know, I used to have that when I played the violin. Oh, yeah, that is resin. put it on your bow. You put it on your bow, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's resin. It just looked like crushed up resin. I think he's... So... <laughs> that's what it is. I think the idea is they're trying to take this away and the planet doesn't want them... Through that big whole thing is like some antimatter sort of other university thing where the sort of heart or the, the planet is basically a living thing and it doesn't want this stuff taken away from it so it's pulling it back i think that's the idea of it but then the professor gets so obsessed doesn't he that he sort of drinks it and he gets and he's been on that planet for so long it started affecting him yeah he's taken it on and by doing so the effects of it have merged with his body um he's i think i think having the oh is it that something's been affecting him and he's been taking the antimatter to try and stop the effects and that's been... I think, yeah, I think he's just been on the planet too long and he's he's ingested it because he is the... he. They had to take him off, didn't they? They had to take him away to make... He was the last bit. They threw everything out, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, he was the antimatter man and then Dickhead made a million of them by accident. But it's funny that you said Jekyll and Hyde. It's so obviously Jekyll and Hyde. Um I don't really know Jekyll. I mean, I know I haven't watched any films of Jekyll. I, yeah, everyone knows the story. All I know is that he makes a potion and he changes into one person and then he changes back again. I don't actually know the official story of Jekyll and Hyde. It's not really one that I've. Well, he doesn't. I mean, he believes that he can separate good and evil. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Oh. So he drinks this potion. He thinks he's, he can't get permission to do it on someone. They say ethically it's wrong. So he can't test it. So he does it on himself and unleashes Mr. Hyde, which is the evil side. So there's him, which is his good side. He drinks his potion. He then becomes Mr. Hyde, goes out. I think he, like, kills people, comes back. He has no, like, real recollection. And I think he has these diaries. I could be wrong at this point. I think, like, he starts writing things down, and he's writing things down in Hyde as well. And then he starts being able to communicate between the, his two selves. And there's, you know, people, they talk about this terror and these, like, these murders, all this sort of stuff, and it's him, but it's the evil side of him. And I think in the end he dies. Like, it's not like he goes back to normal. I think, like, it's done and he he ends up, I think he, he has to kill himself to kill Hyde, I think. I feel I feel like the BBC did like a modern version of it. There's like, many versions. I mean, I've seen the musical years ago. I was actually about to say, I bet you've seen the musical version of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's got great music. The musical's got really good music. Just it's a shame whenever it tours, it tours with really random cats. I, I think there's a new one of it at the minute with Jason Donovan playing Jekyll and Hyde. Oh, I could okay. be wrong. This is always—it's always people that you like. You're like, what is that casting? I saw Jason Donovan in Sweeney Todd. That was a bit strange. Um, that was Google the last this, time I saw no. him. But anyway, yeah. I feel like I could be wrong. I feel like the Hoff has done it as well. I don't think David Hasselhoff could play Professor Sorensen though. 
that's what I would like to see. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> uh, we're going into part two. Um, I yeah, I like as well that um, with Sarah, it's just that sort of sense. There's sort of like the noise and the wind that passes through, which is like the presence of the whatever it is, and she can feel it. And I like that sort of mystery. What I really liked in part two was that drone thing. You know, when they escape and they send out the drone thing, the little eye thing that goes through the forest. I thought that was really cool. For Doctor Who on TV, that is what you would see in Star Wars. Something exactly like that. Yeah. In fact, I think... Oh, um, sorry, Star Wars... Star Trek, you mean. This is... Star Trek, this is Star Wars hasn't been out yet. No. Uh, but yeah, you would see that in both Star Trek and Star Wars. And for Doctor Who, um, I know, again, it's on film and that... I, for some reason, when stuff's on film, it makes it look even better. But I, when it's following them through... It's such a great idea. And again, predicting the future and stuff, that could be delivering someone's Amazon thing in reality. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> Amazon on Zeta Minor. It's there, isn't it? The ones after well, the it is, it's true. That's what it is. We just don't see the A on the outfits, but it's there. Yeah, one click, antimatter. <laughs> and also, I like their guns. So when they're shooting, it's like a blue flash. I don't know if you know. Yeah, yeah. That. No, no, I did notice. Yeah. Because when we were talking about Revenge of the Siphon with those Vogons underground and it was just like bullets, bang, bang. And, you, and you're just like, oh, it just looks like people in masks with guns. Here, it fits with the, I don't know, the blue. It fits with the same blue as the uniform. It's got a colour scheme. I genuinely think that it was to try and get the Star Trek audience. The kids that were starting to be interested in Star Trek you know i reckon it's that because those guns as well are very futuristic They've, i don't know someone's just really thought about this whole world and this and just all the design of it fits together um and then towards the end of part two then we get another cliffhanger uh freeze frame where the doctor's falling in the hole yeah oh i love those and it's the same director as genesis the daleks so that's why you get that he, he always does those freeze frame ones i think we should have more freeze frames i think Every cliffhanger should be a freeze frame. There's some really good cliffhangers in this. Uh, oh, and we'll talk about cliffhangers. The the next one where the Doctor and Sarah are going to be ejected into... Yeah, where they're, they're in actually, the, the and they're moving, moving, moving. Yeah. That's so good. You would definitely be tuning in. Yeah, it's, I don't, it's just got that pace. I mean, when I watched it, I pretty much watched it. I watched three and then I watched one. But again, a bit like last week, it just went really quick because there's just so much happening and it's building up it's building up and sort of as you carry on it turns into a bit of a murder mystery doesn't it everyone's been sort of murdered you know the ship's people have been murdered one by one um even when the doctor goes through the hole and it's all like psychedelic and stuff that's cool and of course we have dickhead captain he's great you need someone like that you need the dickhead captain that's going to be like no we should do this and then i'm going to say his name because he's he should be up for a doscar at some point Vashinsky is the older guy that you liked. Yes. I'm all for Vashinsky. Because he listened and he was obviously on the Doctor and Sarah's side. He knew... He was older. He came with the knowledge of being able to, like, see the bigger picture. Yeah, and uh, without him, it would have been even worse, I think. Because what was the scientist called? Was he Salamander? Sorensen. <laughs> Was anyone Salamander? Why have I got Salamander? That in my was head? Enemy of the World with the um, second Doctor's double. Yeah. So what? The two, the commander. What was his name? Salamar. 
Oh, Salomar. close. There you go. <laughs> I knew it wasn't Salamander, but I had Salamander in my head. Salamar. Yeah. And then you've got... Sa- um, and what was, they both began with S. And what was the scientist? Sorensen. Sorensen. Oh, my gosh. And then Sarah. There's just too so many, many S's. S's going on here. Um, <laughs> and when... Um, oh, what's his name? <laughs> and when Salamar goes off... And, oh, he makes it worse, of course, because he has that light beam thing or whatever. I don't know what it is. Some YouTuber's light. He has that. He takes that. (laughs) And they're like, don't use it. And he's like, oh, of course. And then that's when he dies and he uses it. And they all uh, duplicate. So you get that cool effect. Multiply, yeah, yeah. And I really like that. And they're just all around. And the way that it's sort of creeping around the ship and killing people... You get that claustrophobia as it sort of closes in and in and in. I just don't understand how it got on board. Well, it's Sorensen. Of course. It's of him. Because I was like, it didn't get on board, but something did. And it's like, it's a version of Sorensen. So it yes, does that. And course. then yeah, it's the line people. Now. And they can go through doors and stuff. And there's all of them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I just thought it was really, yeah. And actually, there are. It is, like, the effects are really cool. I think, like, it works very well as a secondary villain. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, it's not the main villain. The main villain is the scientist who's the other But it's all sort of wrapped up as the same thing, really. It is, but it's not. As in, I feel, like you said, I think, like, there's the planet and those things, and because he's been taking it, he starts becoming that, but I don't think he's meant to be that. Well, I think that light thing makes it even worse, so it makes him... Well, yeah, but he's he. he yeah, it but brings he's... out the dark matter, and obviously these are dark matter things. Because the doctor says that he made a promise with whatever that being is that he would return all the dark matter. I want ten seconds of maximum fuel burn. That's crazy. You heard me. Ten seconds. Gravity drag still increasing. Height only thirty miles. Gravity. There's antimatter still aboard. All the canisters were removed, except for this. What's that? Antimatter. How else do you think I survived that pool? Yeah, and then he forgot because he had someone in his toffee box, which you've got. <laughs> I know. Oh, my gosh. Honestly, when I saw it come up on the screen, I was like, I've got that and I've got it here. So this was my granddad's. So this is, like, really old. And when my granddad died and my dad was sorting out his house, and I'm, I'm, I was honestly sad, and my dad came back and was like, this was granddad's. I thought you could, you should have it. And it's a really old tin, but it is. You can see on it, it says Harrogate Toffee. And it's the same tin. It normally has shit in it, but it's completely empty at the minute. Um, but it's had everything in, in the years. It's had hair bubbles in. It's had clips in it. It's had tablets in it. And I still have it. And it's just like, also, there's quite an irony in that this really old box. So my dad obviously just saw what is essentially just a toffee box, a tin. And my dad was like, hey, Sarah, she's female. She'll probably store things in it. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> I still have it. It's been all the way down. Like, And I, that was when I was 11, 12, when my granddad died. So I've had it all this time, and it's made it to Cardiff. Wow. So, yeah, no, that's my granddad's, that's my granddad's that, And that's like a genuine one, because I think you can get sort of replicary type ones that aren't, but no, that is, is an actual one. It's all yeah, that's everything. an actual one. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely one, because it's really rusted. That's an unintentional prop. Um, an old. 
well, yeah, so the Doctor has has one of those. So he throws that out. But then I think, yeah, but then it still doesn't work because Sorensen, he's drunk it. It's in him. So, and he is it. So he has to, he has to go. Yeah, I think some fans do find this one a little bit boring sometimes. I think they feel like it's all atmosphere and no actual substance of plot. I can get that. Yeah. Like... I thought I felt like what happened in the fourth episode. There's a, a little bit of padding, not much, but like I was like, I don't know what this is adding. And actually, it could have even been a. Well, what pads it out is the whole oh, your spies, Doctor and Sarah locked up. We don't trust you. Yeah, escape, capture, all that arguing, and that's what um, that's what the captain does a lot of. Well, we can't trust them. They're the ones that are doing it. They're the ones that are behind it. No, we're not. That is what doesn't. I always find that boring. Whenever they're like your spies, you've killed the oh, No, listen, sir. No, they killed the Some say killed the Just like you know, I, oh. I've remembered what line it so it was when you talked about you at the end of your elastic. Oh yeah. I like that line. <laughs> All right. Okay. You're at the end of your elastic. That was super bit that was like I really like that. I like that and I and I like like and it felt really atmospheric him saying that. All that stuff where he was in the last one where he's like I'm going to and I'm going to do this and I was just like this could have been sorted on like end of episode 3 really. Like we are really this is a lot of bits of padding and there were things in that third episode where I was like they're just padding and if you're taking out some of that and condense that story to just because by then they knew that he was the baddie and we could have had the doctor just get him in the TARDIS and do what he did and had that ending um instead we had to pad it out for another episode and then you know and it's cool because they had you know you had the multiple things I didn't see them as the main villain. Well, the, well, what did you see? The main villain to me the was the scientist. Oh. <laughs> we both said completely <laughs> opposite things. <laughs> well, as in, like, in terms of um, monster villain, and like for the story, but he's taken over, and then when the doctor. Yes, but he's he knows to some extent that something's not right. He keeps trying to hide it. If it had been up front from the start. He's dodgy to begin with. And it takes the doctor being like, you're a scientist, you know what you've done. I know what you've done. You know what you need to do. And he tries, then he goes into the coffin to try and get himself into space, doesn't oh, he? Oh, of course. So, so, yeah, but he's got that sort of struggle. I think, like, yeah, well, he starts morphing back, doesn't he? So he's there with the rest of the stuff. He's ready to, like, put himself into space because he knows that's what he's got to do. And then he morphs and goes off on his rampage again. So, like, even though... And also, there is a question as to why he did it. It's very selfish motives to do well, he's it. he's obsessed. But by the time we meet him in that first episode, he's already been there a long time. He doesn't care that everyone's been killed off and like they haven't had any... No, he's like, no. He doesn't care about getting away on time or this anything. This is my work. This is what I need to do. And he wants this whole power for, you know, for their society and everything. Um, and then the Doctor... Well, yeah, and I'm surprised, actually, that he got saved at the end. I thought he could have fell in the hole and that was it, done. And then that's your end of your scientist. But he came back and he was like, oh, yeah, I can't remember anything. And he's like... He was like, oh, we're going to... And the Doctor diverted him onto another thing to look into instead, which I thought was clever. Yeah, um, yeah they could have just left him dead and that's him. And he, oh, he was the scientist that was obsessed and couldn't 
you know, got took over. But I, yeah, it's nice to have that ending with him as he's actually, yeah, he's all right. It wasn't any of his fault. I mean, yeah, he probably killed loads of people, but he doesn't remember it. <laughs> so It's very clever. Like, oh gosh, and the red eyes, that was very clever. None of them could find who it was. He kept saying it was the Doctor and Sarah, you know, but it was him. <laughs> so in that sense, I saw him more as than the red outline things. And a lot of the topics, you know, I mean, like, they're very grown-up topics. They're very, like, you know, there's a lot of science and things. And, we, you know, all right, some of that might not be factual, but a lot of it comes from fact. I mean, we talk about, and not we personally, but antimatter is still discussed today, you know, um, constantly making developments in it. I, when they were talking about it, it made me wonder whether they um, had scientists like advisors i'm not sure actually i don't think so i think they're just really good as in to make sure the science was at least somewhat i'm not sure i'm not sure i think um they're more like uh, we want a story on a planet we want it to be a bit like jekyll and hyde give us a jekyll and hyde story like last week give us a body snatchers story i think they're very like the horror film you know they're all yeah, yeah, it's very horror film. It's very horror film. The um, because in so I, I'm just waiting for Stranger Things Part Two to come out. Because oh, go on. We haven't done your your alternative watch for. <laughs> what, what do you recommend? Is this going to be? What do you well, recommend? Hang on one sec. I need to go and get my remote, yeah. and okay. I'll tell you what I'm watching. Okay, listeners. While Sarah gets her remote, so this is, if you didn't like Planet of Evil and you're not a fan of this particular episode, Sarah is now going to recommend something alternative to watch this week. <laughs> so this week, I... Oh, sorry, my thing just started. This week, I've been watching James A. Caster Repertoire on Netflix. Um, and I've been catching up on Taskmaster on Channel 4. There we go. Okay. So... Like, Taskmaster's great. I love Taskmaster. It's proper sit-back, easy-watching. You can have a laugh or just, you know, it's not difficult in any way. And the repertoire from James A. Caster, it's like a four-part thing. I'm on the second one now. Or maybe I'll finish the second one now. Or maybe I'm starting the second I can't remember what's off my head. But um, it's very funny, and he's very clever. Is it a, what? Is it a um, drama, a comedy drama? No, no, it's just it's a comedy show that he did um, years ago now. Uh, and they're like 50 minute to an hour shows. Then they're not even an hour actually. So he does three shows. And then the fourth one is about all three. He starts going on these tangents about things that are funny, but you're like, where has this come from? What is this doing? Where is it going? And then when it all rounds in at the end or when it rounds something back and you're like, oh, that's so clever. So there we go. That That's if I, you know, I don't know. I Planet of evil. It's not one that I would always go back to, but, um, you have to be in the right mood for it. You have to be in the mood for a sort of atmospheric watch in the dark. That's what I say. Yeah. It wasn't... I feel like it's average like for you. Like, sit down, easy street. No. Watching. The cliffhangers are really good. I did enjoy it, and I enjoyed, I guess, maybe the concept of something because I could relate to it a little bit more in terms of, like, the story being this... It suddenly became very clear as a Jekyll and Hyde sort of thing. And I was like, that's something that I understand as a concept. And therefore, despite all the science that was being thrown around and all this, the storyline concept I could follow and understand. Okay. I feel like we've been quite serious today. We've been quite studious. But it is quite, it's more horror. It's not like, um, there's no really silly moments in it at all. Well, you don't get, there's not that much humour. 
Um, but you don't have with this the Doctor and Sarah here, the Doctor and Companion, you don't have your Susan or your screaming or your Polly. You do a bit with Sarah. She did scream. Oh, not only when it she only screams when you when you when she screams, you know it's serious. It's not like a it's like a yeah, say, like yeah, a Susan we, or we you know, if that jungle, Susan but would actually, be it's because with Harry you had like with Sarah and Harry, you had a good like fun bantery sort of thing. And now that's gone. And with the doctor, the doctor's not like unless they're together, but most of the story they're not. Or if they are, it's de- they're just being accused of stuff and it's dealing with stuff. So like, yeah, I just think it's a very different thing in that way. Well, we um we better get off this planet because um. Professor, what's his name? Is going to come and get us otherwise. Sure. Yeah, but make sure there's nothing in your toffee tin when we go. Make sure it's empty of. Oh my what? Your toffee tin. Oh my toffee tin. But <laughs> you said my top TV. <laughs> you what? What are you talking about? Make sure. Make sure we. Don't... They're just words. <laughs> make sure we don't leave. Uh, we don't take anything with us, and then we can we can get a lift. Oh, can I make another recommendation? Oh, okay. Um, I went to see Joe Lysett last night. And it's a really good show. And I'm not going to ruin anything about it. But it's really funny and crude in places in a funny way and heartwarming. And it's great. There we go. Wow, we're full of recommendations. Not just if you don't want to be in front of a TV, go out to your local theatre and find where that is. (laughs) There we are. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Or stay in and watch Planet of Evil. That's what I say. Uh, yeah, the ship's coming in now, so we better head off. So, um, oh yeah, next week, next time, next time. So this is where I get a bit. I need to look at look up what the next story is because I never get the order of this season right for some reason. I can never. I know all of the rest. Oh yeah, okay, is what I thought it was. So the next story is called. It's four, and it's called Pyramids of Mars. Pyramids of Mars. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> there we are. I literally have no idea what that could be about, other than pyramids on Mars. Well, well we'll find out, won't we? Uh, <laughs> it's another classic. It's another fan favourite. In fact, this whole season is, like, up there for a lot of people. Yeah, I can imagine. It's been good so far, let's put it that way. I think I preferred last season... But we're only two in, and my complaints are very minimal. Well, that's what we like, <laughs> right? In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 2WatchWho, and we will see you next week. Bye. 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 Two Watch Who.